Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Let's go to God's word. I have some thoughts that I want to teach on. And we're once again talking about the, uh, the rapture. It's a series of messages I'm doing. This is part two under the title, Caught Up, Caught Up. And we're talking about an event that's prophesied in the Bible that we call the rapture. And last week, I answered the question, what is the rapture? And that is online in all the formats, video format on YouTube, as well as audio formats on our podcast and on on our website. And um, I'm not going to spend a great deal of time reviewing. I will in a little bit. But... um, Here are the thoughts that I am kind of basing this on. These are opening thoughts. You'll find these in your notes. It's also going to come up on the screen. According to many end-time scholars, all the prophetic signs leading up to Jesus' appearing and the rapture of the church have been fulfilled. The next event which awaits the church, it's been prophesied in the scripture, the next event that awaits the church is the rapture. Now, there are many other end-time prophecies, that will be fulfilled after the rapture. That's when God's judgment falls upon the earth. But indications point to the rapture as the next end-time prophecy which will be fulfilled. And the question is, are you ready? The reason that scholars say this is the prophecies in the Scripture that talk about Jerusalem, that talk about Israel, have all been fulfilled. We are now just waiting for God to reestablish those things, and the rapture is going to precede that. Last week, I concluded with these statements. Last week, I concluded with these statements. There is a heaven that awaits. There is a rapture that will occur. There is a Savior who will receive us. There is a God who is for us. Then who can be against us? Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Talk about the end time, teaching about the end time, hearing about the end time should somehow encourage our hearts, and I hope it will be encouraged this morning. Let me just review last week. What is the rapture? Just briefly review. It's not in your notes, but it will be on the screen. The rapture is this instantaneous and supernatural event. It's an instantaneous and supernatural event where Jesus comes down from heaven and appears in the sky. The dead in Christ, only believers, followers of God, the dead in Christ are raised from the dead with immortal bodies Living believers, those alive who are believers, are transformed into their immortal bodies, and all those with immortal bodies are caught up into the clouds to meet Jesus. And this happens in an instant, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. And then after we are gone, God begins to judge the earth. Point two from last week, it's a selective event. Only true believers are caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. There will be those who claim the name of Christ but are not living for Jesus. There are those who go to a church that claims to be Christian but has moved away from the core doctrines of the faith who will be left behind. That's why it was very clear last week. It is is a selective event. Only true believers are caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. 
And the reason I'm teaching this series the way I am, uh, and as I prepare, I am going back to my early church days because I, I attended a church that didn't teach about the end times, didn't teach about the rapture. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I heard about this event for the very first time. And there may be some of you here, some of you online, who maybe it's a little vague for you. What's going to happen at the end times? And who's going to be impacted? And how is that going to uh, touch my life? And so that's why I'm teaching the way that I am. I'm trying to answer questions that you may have that I may have had. So the first question I answered was, what is the rapture this week? I'm answering the question, why is the rapture necessary? Why is the rapture necessary? So let's go. Got a lot of scripture to go through today. I'm going to be reading significant segments, and I'm going to commenting on them. Why is the rapture necessary? Point one, in your notes, here it is. Why is the rapture necessary? God will once again judge the world. Why is the rapture necessary? Because God will once again judge the world. Now, the book of Revelation and some of Jesus' teaching detail how the judgment of God will finally be poured out on mankind and all the sin of mankind. God has judged the entire earth before through the flood during Noah's time, but God will once again judge the earth. Turn with you, me, if you will, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Your notes say, 1 Peter, that's my error, not Christie's. I was the one who prepared the note sheet. Don't want you to look at her and think, can she get the scripture right? No, she can't. Not if Pastor Rick doesn't give it to her right. But it's 2 Peter chapter 3. This will be on the screen for the, for the at-home audience and for you if you don't want to look at it in your own Bible. I am reading from the New International Version this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, and here we now go into this end time, above all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires, and they will say, well, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So there's scoffing that takes place in the last days. Even today, there are people that scoff at the teaching of the end times. It says, you've been talking about this for, for decades. Pastor Rick, when you were preaching in your other church, your very first church, 40 years ago, you talked about this. Where is this coming you've been talking about? Well, Peter answers that. Verse 4 again, they will say, where is this coming, he promised, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The flood of Noah's time, God destroyed the world at that time, saved Noah and his family in the ark, but the rest of the world was covered with water, and every single human being and every single animal perished because God needed to judge the vileness and the wickedness and the sin of that day. God promised to never destroy the earth again with a flood. 
We have that promise, and he also gave us that promise, and he put a sign with the promise. Who can tell me what is the promise that God will never again judge the world? What is the sign God gave us that it won't be flooded again? The rainbow. That's what the rainbow is for. It is to remind us that God will never again judge the world with a flood. But it doesn't say he won't judge the world again. He will. This time... By fire, verse 7 again. By the same word, the present heaven and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Remember, they were scoffing about how long it would take. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. God doesn't view time the way we view time. We consider a thousand years a long time with God, it's like a day. Verse 9, key verse in this passage. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, the promise of Jesus' return, the promise of judgment on the earth again. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why is he patient? I'm so glad these words are in the Bible. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient. God has not yet judged planet earth. God has not yet poured his wrath out because he is patient. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Then Peter goes on, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. God, when he judges, is not judging and it's going to be destroyed. God will also recreate. But in keeping with his promise... We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So why is the rapture necessary? Because God will once again judge the world, and before the judgment hits the world, we will not be here. Remember, we're caught away. We're caught up with the Lord in the air. Point two this morning, why is the rapture necessary? Point one, God will once again judge the world. Point two, God does not desire his children that his children experience his wrath, which will be poured out on sin. Our righteous God will someday deal with sin. He dealt with it in his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can receive forgiveness and grace, but not everyone is going to receive the free gift of grace and the forgiveness of of sins and mercy. And so God has to deal with the sin. And is going to be dealt with in judgment and wrath. But God does not desire us, who have already received the forgiveness of sins, to experience his wrath. And so what God does is he has a way of escape for us. It's called the rapture. God does not desire that his children experience his wrath, which will be poured out on sin. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6 is the key. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
Because of these sins and a host of other sins, because of sexual immorality, which has just exploded upon our earth. Because of impurity. Because of lust. Because of evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming, folks. The wrath of God is coming. Now, praise God for this. You won't be here, and neither will I. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 is our next passage of Scripture. If you can get to it in your uh, physical Bibles or on your devices, if not, follow along on the screen. Listen to what Paul teaches us and the church back then. Now, brothers and sisters... About times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. I'm telling you that the signs point to this season being the season when the rapture will occur. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. If anybody tells you the day or the hour, they don't know it either. I think sometimes God just says, okay, they picked that one. I'm going to pick a different one. Because we don't know the day or the hour, but we can follow the seasons. Jesus told us. Jesus told us that we can know the season. In fact, we should know the season. And Paul says, we're not in darkness. We can observe the signs Jesus said it this way, and this happens to all of us or all of you that are gardeners. If you have fruit trees or you have bushes, right around March or April, if you go out into your yard, you're going to see something on the branches of your bushes and of your trees. You're going to see buds. What do you know? Summer's around the corner. Leaves are going to be coming. Flowers are going to be coming. Why? We could read the signs. God says that we as his people should be able to read the signs of the time to know when the end is getting closer, that the time is getting shorter. And those are the signs that are pointing to this thing called the rapture. Verse 5, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Verse 9, here it is. Listen, this is, remember, when I am reading this that the Apostle Paul penned and that the Apostle Peter penned, we are not just reading what Peter felt. We are just not reading what Peter thought. We are just not reading what Peter speculated that the earth is going to be destroyed by fire. We are reading what the Holy Spirit wanted him to write down. You're reading the very word of God. When I'm reading this next statement, this is God's voice through the pen of the Apostle Paul for you and I. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us, meaning the believers, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, meaning whether we're alive or dead, we may live together with him at this thing called the rapture. Just in the previous chapter in this book, 
of 1 Thessalonians, Paul had already described the rapture. We're not going back to that. We studied it last week. So what he's saying is whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Verse 9 again in 1 Thessalonians 5, coming up on the screen. Key verse. Please hear this. Why do we need a rapture? Because God did not appoint his children. He did not appoint us to suffer wrath. God's wrath is never poured out upon his children. If your sins were judged when you received the free gift of uh, forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus Christ, if you have received that, you will not experience the judgment and the wrath of God that is coming upon sin on this earth. You will be gone because Jesus will come and get us in this thing called the rapture. Point two again, God does not desire his children that his children experience his wrath which will be poured out on sin. But point two A is this, God makes no promise regarding our escape from trials, difficulties, or persecution. Listen, what I'm talking about here is not an escape from life. Life is going to throw some stuff at you. Life is going to bring upon some things. The enemy is going to bring upon some things, trials and difficulties, even persecution. Jesus said, you will be persecuted. There's no promise regarding our escape from these things. And you can look out upon planet Earth, and there are some believers around the world that are suffering horrendous things right now. Horrendous things. Martyrdom, decapitation, prison, beatings. If you ever have opportunity to read um, some of the books that are out there, Fox's Book of Martyrs and others, the one that, the one that I like to read, and uh, I think it's still in print, it was put together many years ago. It's called Jesus Freaks. And um, uh, was it DC Talk who recorded that? Anybody help me? Those of you that know? Yeah, right. Good. Boy, see, I'm really contemporary. Contemporary DC Talk. That's like, young people say, that's like, who knows? That, they're old. Anyhow, they recorded a song called Jesus Freaks. And what they did is they put together a devotional. It's on my desk. I don't read it every day, but I read it quite often. And what it is is stories of martyrs. Some of the martyrs are from the first century. Some of the martyrs are from the 1400s and the 1500s. Some of the martyrs are from the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And they stopped there because that was when the book was published. There are your brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters around the world. And I say that because we're the family. We're a family. My brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering horrendous things right now. Beatings, imprisonment. Some have been stoned literally to death. Others have been set on fire. Read a story just recently where the man, the, 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 the pastor, the, was to deny his faith. And it was uh, in one of the eastern countries, China, or one of those. And he wouldn't. So he literally had to watch his wife and child burned to death in an attempt to get him to deny his faith. And he would not. And then they killed him also. I'm sure he met them in the air. But so God does not, while he does not desire for us to experience his wrath, we have no promise regarding our escape here on earth from trials, difficulties, and persecutions. But God does promise, point B, God does promise we will escape before he pours 
his wrath on the earth for sin. There will be an escape. And the escape is the rapture. The elements that are going to burn with fire, earth and heaven are going to melt in intense heat. Read the book of Revelation and find out that under one of the plagues, one-third of mankind is wiped off the face of the earth. Now, we're already gone, so we're off the face of the earth, but one-third of those left are destroyed in this plague. It's going to be a horrendous time to be on the earth, and you and I, who have opened our hearts to Jesus, will escape. Pastor, are you an escapist? Absolutely, when it comes to this. I am an escapist. Why are you an escapist? Because my God promised me that I will not be here. And neither will you if you've opened your heart to him. As the team makes its way to the platform, once again, some of the words that I opened this message with, there is a heaven that awaits. There is a rapture that will occur. There is a Savior who will receive us, and there is a God who is for us. And if there's a God who is for us, then who can be against us? Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I know that as we talk about the end and we talk about the rapture, maybe you are comfortable, uncomfortable, excuse me, or anxious about it. But if you're a child of God, May I once again give you these words of encouragement. You will not be here when the wrath of God is poured out. You will escape. You will be changed in an instant if you are alive and meet Jesus in the air. If you've passed away and you've been put into the ground, you will be raised from the dead with an immortal body and you will meet Jesus in the air. But if you came in today or if you're walking, watching on our stream and the reason you're nervous is because maybe you don't know Jesus. You have not received his grace and his forgiveness yet. That can change today. That can change today. Remember what I read in 1 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He's been patient with you. You've been living for yourself. You've been walking in doing your own thing. He's been patient with you because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you about finally coming to repentance and opening your heart to Jesus, maybe here, maybe at home. We're going to pray just a brief prayer, and I will come back after we sing this final worship song. We're going to pray a brief prayer, and I'm, we're going to be asking the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts right now. Would you say out loud, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to show me from this message today? I open my heart. Reveal to me what you want me to know. Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. 
Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.